This is Happy Monkey. This is Happy Monkey. Hello, Black Rose. My name is Monty. I have a quick question. How did you get, um, how did you guys get the, uh, QR code to be spray painted on the sidewalk? I would love to know, like, how I made that happen, what kind of service you use or whatever. Yes, 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 everybody. This is the Happy Monkey Podcast, and you already know how this is how it go. And the one thing we love having on the show is, Boss ass women. That's basically we love to have that because you know, and this is a new industry, so we like to showcase that th this industry will be diversified. Yes, you know what I mean, we will we we will dictate the way this shit get diverse, right? So we need the women, black, Asian, everybody, everybody. We need everybody involved. But this is always a big deal when we got boss boss ladies in the house, right? So especially from the West Coast, we don't get to talk too many people from the West Coast. So this is a big deal today, right? It's a huge deal. You want to give them more details yeah, about this yeah, boss yeah, lady we talked to today? This, this, this amazing woman uh, not only is uh, blazing the trail as a C-suite person, as mm -hmm. an entrepreneur, but she's a pioneer. She has, you know, been the 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 visionary to bring you know extracts and CO two to the mainstream and to the masses. You know, oh so the vape she, shit, vape. The, okay, oh, yeah. So she, um, you know, has been you know blazing the trail for quite a while so get ready to hear some important information ladies and gentlemen this young lady goes by the name of ac brodick she's the ceo of eden labs she's a cannabis activist and she's our sister from another mother welcome to the boulevard what's going on ac man what's going on please introduce yourself and tell everybody where they can find you well um I am today, right now, in Seattle. Um, that's where you can find me right now. <laughs> you know, right now, it's for everything's My virtual. My home office. Yeah, yeah, everything's um, virtual. Just give us, just give us your, I guess, where they can find you virtually on Instagram and all no, that stuff. No, I Yeah, I was getting there. So, yeah, Eden, right. went to CEO of Eden Labs, and, um, you know, it's EdenLabs.com, uh, Eden Labs on Twitter, Eden Labs, you know, pretty much Eden Labs and whatever venue you want to go down that's where it's at thank you so much ac for joining yeah. us over here in the concrete jungle in the middle of the boulevard we appreciate you we know you could be anywhere in the world and you're here with us so we need to the people to understand how did this renaissance woman come to be so we know you reside in seattle washington but where are you originally from i'm originally from east tennessee um in a little town called bristol um, but my family moved away from there when I was pretty young. Um, but I still have lots of family there. Tennessee. I go back and forth quite a bit. We call it Tennessee over here. Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, right, so it's a. So let's talk a little bit, a little bit about uh, maybe a uh, uh, younger AC, right? So before we get all serious and start asking you all these cannabis questions, right? Maybe let's get a little personal. When 
give us your first love story. When was your first time getting high? Like, what was the first, uh, the whole experience with you and cannabis? Well, <laughs> the first time, I think I was around 12. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, uh, I was 12, I too. We got an early start. You yeah, see? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, some friends are like, they had some weed and they're like, you want to try some weed and let's go play some Frisbee. And I'm like, sure. Okay. <laughs> so we did. And it was, uh, you know, a giggly good time. A giggly good time. Was it a joint or was it like a, like, like a bong rip or what did you? It, it was a, it was a joint. It was definitely a joint. Probably with yeah. some, uh, some brick weed or something back then. Right. Well, I don't know, because it was Seattle, so it could have been, you know, actually pretty good weed. It could have been uh, Seattle. We got that Seattle, that Seattle bud. So yep. fire. So you hailing originally from Tennessee, was cannabis like widely accepted amongst your family and friends in your household, in your immediate um, circle? I had a um, close family who was weed friendly. Um and I asked, actually told him at one point when his sons were, you know, 13 and 14. And I'm like, so aren't you glad I'm not getting your boys high? Because he totally got me high. <laughs> he, <and> 14. <laughs> oh, he just God. looked at me like, oh, yeah, that. <laughs> right. How about your parents yeah. and everything like that? Were they OK with it? Oh, my parents are pretty straight. I think that they knew. Um, I, I think one time my dad caught my some friends and I. We were up in the in the backyard, and I came back in. And he's like, "So, you rolling your own up there?" And I'm like, "What? No." Uh, he's definitely <laughs> used to be a smoker. Yeah, well, I think they were all pretty clued in, but I don't think either one of them. Uh, imbibed but um the culture um for and i went back and forth between seattle and east tennessee growing up and both cultures were very pot friendly actually nice nice that's good they didn't yeah. get caught up in the nancy reagan wave you know <laughs> yeah yeah that was um that was a ripoff <laughs> we went from the, I've never, we went heard, the I've never heard the Reagan era described <laughs> as a ripoff. That's crazy. I mean, we went from the 60s and the 70s to Reagan. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> is this what we get now? <laughs> Lord, that is a fact. Now, how and what possessed you to think like um, this cannabis plant was going to be something that you were going to make a passion and a career. What was the epiphany when you, when you said like, this is what I'm going to do with my life? Well, I was living in Miami and I, uh, I got it in my head that I really wanted to start a retreat for AAA personalities like myself to go someplace where you can just like, you know, chill out, learn how to eat right, find a hobby you know, learn how to breathe, do some yoga, you know, whatever. So I moved back to Seattle from Florida to go to, to find some education in plant medicine and that I can integrate into that. And then along the way, my roommate kept getting all of these little vials in the mail from this guy that he knew in Ohio. 
and it'd be concentrated kava kava or yohimbi or all of these things. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, I, and so I didn't meet him for another three years. And then I finally did. And it was Fritz Chest, who's the founder of Eden Labs, who'd been doing cannabis extraction since the early 90s. And then, wow. yeah. And so we used to go up to, I had three guy friends and we would all go up to um, Vancouver and hang out in the weed lounges there. And my favorite strain um, at the time, I think it probably still is Northern Lights. So I got nice. to meet Dr. Norman and have, have him give me some nice nugs. And, um, but then Fritz decided he wanted to get in with a dispensary there and it was all female owned. Mm. Oh, which I can imagine was, was rare back then. It's rare yeah. now. And so he was like, so I want to go get into this. You know, I want to go talk to them about, you know, extractions and things like that. And they, but, but he, they won't answer my phone calls. Can you help? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I can. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so that kind of started. And then I got to really understand a lot of what he was doing, too. And I'm like, man, he he doesn't. I mean, he's got a thing and this is going to turn into something huge. I mean, just from what I could see in the West Coast is happening with in Vancouver and Seattle and pretty much everybody I knew in, in Seattle either smoked pot or didn't care if he did. And it just... You know, and then, of course, you know, there was medical legalization from, you know, 20, 1998 on. So, so this was around 98? Like, so, no, this, when I was first met Fritz, I think it was like 1999. Um, Wait, but Seattle's been medical medically legal since 98? Yeah, 98. See, I didn't know that. They got an early jump yeah. on this thing. They got a super early jump. Yeah, also Oregon and California. I think California was 96. Um, so he's actually sold the first commercial scale ethanol system into the second dispensary in San Francisco in 1996. Crazy. Talk about OG. Yeah, I mean, he's like the OG of OGs when it comes to the extraction thing. I mean, he's like the king. It's incredible. I mean, and... The other things he knows how to extract is it's off the hook. And that was your first bug. You just happened to run into this man that was like such a pioneer. Well, college. He said in college he started with the vials. They had the vials. <laughs> he was sending them the vials. Yeah. I mean, it just fit in perfectly with my interest in health and wellness and plant and plant medicine. And obviously, you know, this plant. I mean, it, the medical applications are, I and mean, we're still discovering about all the what it can do. Yeah, we definitely are firm believers that when it, when it's finally able to get under scientists' microscope, that it's going to change the world. Absolutely, take off a lot of uh, big pharma's pills off the shelves. Yeah. So my big thing, honestly, is. Um, the thing I find most disturbing because that's super encouraging and that's what I you know, have been focusing on. But what's kind of screwing it all up is we keep making laws based on prohibition, right? Mm. We keep making laws based on like, that's why, how, why we have an entire hemp industry. That's why we have CBD. I mean, they split the industry up. We, there was one cannabis industry and they split it up so that uh. they couldn't get the children high, right? That's why CBD became a thing because they they got rid of all the other 
whole plant solutions that we've been using for thousands of years and started creating isolates of molecules. Oh. Divide and conquer, huh? So, so, so I'm curious, right? Because everybody we basically talk to on the podcast has talked to us about flowers, edibles, every other shit except basically extracts. Um, so what made you get into extracts instead of the actual flower and everything else? Well, when I um, met the founder of Eden, he was already doing the extracts. And um, so I, I, he asked me to come and run the company back in like 2005. But I had a really nice career and um, something else. I'm like, nah, I, I, I'm going to wait until I'm through with this. And so in 2009, I came in as, C- as CEO. And about that point, it became really obvious that Colorado and Washington were going to legalize on rec. And at the same time, more and more states were trying to legalize medically. And I was like, well, there's no way this is going to continue. It will continue, but it's going to, it's, it's going to be a really, really slow process without a pure, healthy concentrate in order to give it to patients so that we can legalize on medical. Boom, 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 boom. Because without that, you're not going to give joints to little sick kids or, you know, sick people. It's just not going to happen. So that's when I came in in 2009. I'm like, all right, that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on ethanol and CO2. And then we became, you know, the CO2 company. Um, but we do all kinds of different. So we actually, we just launched a new system that will do um CO2, ethanol, butane, propane, R134, all on the same unit. You can do co-solvents and or do them all separately. So, it's the first one. All right. So listen, so we're a little bit cannabis friendly and we, we know the terms, but there's a lot of people that wouldn't know. Right now, you just named a bunch of components. <laughs> Especially in the East understand. Coast, you have to right? remember we're so, so way behind does, you guys. So why is that so important that you're able to mix all those components now? The industry um, extraction has been divided into several different sects of um, extraction technology. Um, so there's like the hydrocarbon group that is propane and um, butane primarily. There's CO2, there's ethanol, and then there's um, rosin, solventless, you know, water hash, you know, you name it. So... Um, this system combines all of the all of that into one so you don't have to have a couple of different systems to do it and it just it's just new tech that hasn't existed before that's crazy we like to hear the new stuff man this is what you did you heard it first here happy monkey podcast everybody all right Actually, this is the first place I've said anything. Oh, you see, I like that. We like to get first. Shit, that's what's up. So, like I was saying, AC, over here in the in in New York and the East Coast, you know, we're as you said, you know, we just went adult use a couple months ago. We're really behind on education. So, explain to people exactly what Eating Labs is and what is it that it does for the industry, because. Like I said, you know, we're insiders, we get it, but we always try to make yeah. it digestible for the happy mm-hmm. monkey family out there. Education is key and we need more and more of it. Um, and we've spent as a company a lot of time um, and money in the education area. But basically we are an extraction uh, technology company. So we we build 
extraction equipment to for botanicals of any kind really but there's our systems are designed for pretty much for cannabis and then we also do proof of concept work where if somebody has a botanical and they're like they send it to us or like we're trying to get this thing out of this plant can you do it and then we figure out how to get the thing out and then um then we could then help them formulate products too like somebody wants to make a a sleep time tincture. So we're like, all right, well, you may, you know, you want to use some chamomile and maybe some CBN and, you know, Lavender. maybe some, yeah, exactly. So, and we, cause we work with all different kinds of plants. And then we have, I have been the um, board chair of NCIA, which is the largest cannabis trade organization in the country. So I've done a lot of politics. I've done a lot of lobbying um, went to D.C. every year for like seven years, um, which was a very, very interesting. Uh, I mean, you see you see how slow politics, you know, the progress that can be made. But progress was made every year. I could see they got a little bit more knowledgeable and they got a little bit more accepting and they got a little bit more like, oh, I should pay attention to this. Um, and. So it just, and, and the thing too, this really was amazing to me personally. And I think it's important that we all pay attention to this is like our voices matter. And if you go down to a legislative office, or whatever, and you take the time to explain to them your story and why it's important to you, they will listen. It's amazing. <laughs> and that's why all of our vote, our votes count. Our voices count. Every single one of our voices count. Um, and that's one thing I learned in this doing this work in cannabis. Now, definitely. Do you think, uh, especially over here now, like I mentioned that we just went on the use, like, you know, so many people have the whole aspect of, you know, cannabis industry is either you're a grower or you're a retailer. What other aspects of the industry do you think get overlooked that people could be bringing their skills into that they're not doing currently? Well, distribution, um, particularly now, is a big growth portion of it. Um, but there are a lot of industries that support. Um, another thing that's really huge right now is packaging. You know, finding sustainable packaging. Mm -hmm. um, there are a few companies out there who are working on that, and it's still, you know, an infant, um, basically, you know, be able to the pack because all the regulators, of course, make the industry over package, and it's just it's disgusting the amount of packaging right. that is out there around a plant that's basically out there for health and wellness. I mean, they don't. Again, it's a prohibition issue. You know, it's like oh, this plant's dangerous and terrible. It was amazing, really, the marketing campaign around prohibition and how long and how deep that affects everything is psychological especially you know in this era where you know people really you know have the herd mentality and they really believe whatever thought leaders are at the time and people that are in power and that's who created this narrative and it stuck for 80 years mm -hmm. yeah and you know what I found out, too, that I did not know I, um, last fall, well, fall of 
2019, um, I went to South Africa for uh, an event. And what I found out there was that they had um, prohibition actually before we did in the late 1800s. Mm. Um, and they were, and that was also based on racism against um, East Indians because they had brought, you know, their, their ganja with them. Yeah. And, um, and they, they, it was the same thing. You can't smoke that because they were all pretty much in the service industries and whatever. And so they're like, no, you can't, smoke that. it makes you lazy. You know, it's just, but that was eye opening. South it's, it's, Africa. It's a global thing, not a, not a national yeah. thing, huh? Yeah. So what's happening but in South Africa? So what, while you were there, what, were, were people smoking? Like, were you smoking when you was there? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a very strong um, culture there. I mean, they've been, their cannabis there for you know a millennia mm -hmm, there are mm -hmm. you know, there's um one oh god it's a really famous like basic chemovar i'll think of it in a minute it just went ching. it's all right but that, but I'm, I'm just i was just curious to know you said you chilling in south africa like where were people like smoking like were you smoking in the conference like you know like what's the what was the culture like yeah um, it's a little bit behind us as far as legalization. You know, they're still fighting over the same kinds of things where there have been, there's been a, 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 a market there, a culture of cannabis growing or whatever. And then big money comes in and then they squash all the local people and the history. And, you know, it's the same bullshit. It's the same bullshit, but Hey, as long as they got a coach over there, that's that's what I'm interested in. So I could I could make it to South Africa, and at some point I'm gonna find some weed up in South Africa. Yeah, it was it was amazing. South Africa is beautiful. It's, it's awesome, but yeah, but the racism there is just it's off the hook. My God. Oh yeah, we can that imagine. Was, uh, it was so uncomfortable and weird. <laughs> yeah. People think it's a national problem. Like I said, that's a global problem also. Yes, sir. Yeah. AC, so as someone that is constantly researching and looking into new products in the market with Eden Labs, what do you believe now that cannabis is going mainstream are going to be the products that will take over the industry that maybe uh, nobody has on the radar since you've obviously been uh, ahead of the curve with other things like concentrates? Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see um, more combinations of um, just whole plant cannabis products with other botanicals to enhance effect. But I think we'll have that with isolates as well with other botanicals. Um, I think CBN is, you know, is it's starting to be correct. I have no idea why it hasn't become more popular before now, because that is the very first product I would make would be something to help people sleep. Everybody needs to sleep better. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. That's unanimous. That's unanimous. All right. Absolutely. So CBN's going to start, you know, becoming really popular. And then um, CBG. And CBG is the mother cannabinoid. All as the plant grows, if the first cannabinoid is, is CBG. And then 
as it develops, it starts creating all the other cannabinoids. And so what we really should have done was legalize on CBG, not CBD, because it would have simplified the entire process. Because to make CBG, all you have to do is harvest the plant early before it creates a bunch of THC. And then you can just do an extraction that's super straightforward in extracting out that. And then you have a whole whole plant solution, which is far better than, you know, creating products with an isolate or a distillate that doesn't have all of the other components in it. Plants are very intelligent, right? They, they're there. They've been there for a really long time. And this plant in particular is made to work with our system. It's a system working with our system. We start taking it apart. We don't know what the hell it does. We know what it does here because we've been using it for mil- a millennia. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's my spiel on that. I like that. <laughs> I like the spiel. The spiel was all right. No, like you said, it's, a, it's educational because, like I said, you know, over here, like, you know, us ourselves have learned a lot in the last four years, even though I've been involved in cannabis for 22 years. You know, it took really getting educated on a deeper level to understand it mm-hmm. the way we do now. So imagine people that, you know, are not insiders and haven't traveled as much. This information is very important to them. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, I think we'll probably see a lot more tinctures too, because it's just so easy to, to dose, mm-hmm. you know, like for instance, my, <laughs> my dad was a cop and he's like six, five and he retired and he's like, okay, you know, bring me the thing. <laughs> That's funny. The thing. Bring me the thing. So I, can so get right. I brought him some, um, I brought him some flour first and, you know, told him how to cure it a little bit because it was fresh. And then I said, now go easy, you know? So, you know, I heard back from me. He's like, wow, that was super strong. I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's try you with some edibles. And yeah. so then. So Next like time it. I saw him, he's like, oh, my God. I had some. I had a half a candy bar. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You had half a candy bar? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, go ahead. And he's like, yeah, I had to get up in the middle of the night. I, could, I was holding on to the wall. I could barely make it to the bathroom. That was terrible. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to give you some tincture because that's what we take. And you can just go a few drops at a time. Until you figure out where your level's at Word. at cocktail hour, and they, he and his wife love it. They're they're so happy. It's a and great it's so introduction, discreet. right? Yeah, it's a great introduction, and it's discreet. You can take it anywhere. Nobody knows what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I traveled around with it for years before they figured. I finally got busted in a restaurant here in Seattle. Um, I was here. I was having dinner with my mom, and I was kind of introducing her to that. And I'm like, here, hold out your hand. And I put a few drops in her hand. And then the bartender comes over. He's like, is that cannabis? And my mother's like, no, it's an aperitif. (laughs) (laughs) Busted. Like, damn, that was quick. Way to go. (laughs) Word, mom. Way to go, mom. (laughs) AC's corrupting the parents. (laughs) Yep. But But yeah, I'm in a good way. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, combos with more botanicals, CBN, CBG, um, tinctures. So 
we also over here AC we're we're feminist in our own way you know since we started our company you know we've always um made sure that we highlight females and you know have female DJs at events and etc so we know that you're definitely like super out out powerful woman so I want to know like you know Hey, you know, you being a woman within within the cannabis industry, you take pride in being in the C-suite so much that you are founding support of three cannabis women's group in your time within the industry. Can we get into the detail of why you decided to pick those specifically? And also, do you plan on wanting to start your own group in the future? Well, uh, coincidentally, I'm, we are forming another group Um and it's um, it's a group of women who are all CEOs in the cannabis industry um, who have gotten a little fed up with um, being able to get financing for businesses. And um, it's, you know, it's we, we had to come we had to come together and like, all right, how are we going to get around this? Because power structure is not going to do it right. They're just not letting go of that power. And so that's a, another group that we're trying to figure out because women are in control of most of like 80% of consumer products, but are they making 80% of those consumer products? Mm. No. So there's got to be more, there's just got to be more influence of, of women and people of color that reflect the consumer base that they have more control and say in those products and how they're made. And uh, otherwise, it's just the the market is just not going to reflect what people really want. Um, as far as the other those other three groups, um, <clears throat> one of them was uh, Women Grow, and Eden was the very first cor- corporate sponsor that they had back in two thousand fourteen. And that you know that um, Shonda Mastias is the doctor. Doctor Mastias is still is now their their CEO. She's amazing. I had the pleasure um, of meeting her when I met you in the Berkshire. She is amazing. Isn't she? Yeah, she's uh, she's so philosophical, and she's just deep and sweet. But she's so uh, cool, calm, and collective, and she juggles like a hundred yeah. million things. Yeah, um, and then another one was a, a local. A Washington group that was just to be able to get together and be social that wasn't business oriented at all. And that was really nice too, just to be able to get together and hang and, you know, but yeah. No, definitely. It's important because, uh, you know, right now we're going into a change in society where marginalized people and females have the opportunities to really step into these roles and positions and you're definitely setting the precedent and these groups are important to inspire these women and marginalized people out there that feel like it's not possible for them to have somewhere to have mentorship and guidance and support. Well, and the, the sad thing though too is when when you've got an industry and there have been many where the entry level doesn't require a whole lot of a whole lot of money or financing or you have a lot more diversity in at the beginning of it, right? Like in the cannabis industry, like mm-hmm. for a while there was 37% of the cannabis industry were female CEOs, but it was still a cottage industry. 
And so, and it was coming from the unregulated market into the regulated market. But at that point, it was far more diverse. And then as soon as the big money started coming in and everything, then it, it outpaces um, our ability to be able to compete. And pretty soon people just start getting squished out. Interesting. And I know you've seen this from the beginning to now develop into what it is now. So I know you really have seen it play by play. Oh, yeah. Before, I mean, I would go to so many events and groups. There'd be 200 people there and there'd be three women, three women. You know, it was nuts. And then around 2014, a whole lot of women came in. Um, and I think it's getting better. I mean, there's there's a lot of focus in the industry on social equity, a lot. Um, there's a lot of people who walk the walk, and there's a lot of people who don't. And, um, you know, they're getting called out. That's correct. We see that a lot over here. And right now, New York, hopefully, will hold up to it because, you know, they base their whole bill around it. 50% of the first licenses will go to social equity, you know, 750 million to a billion dollars will go to those communities most impacted by the war on drugs. And the 50% of the social equity applicants must remain 51% owners of the licenses. So we're really interested in seeing how this unfolds because it's looking like one of the biggest bills fresh out. But as we know, and we've seen in other markets, it can be undone through compliance and regulations. So right now we're keeping a very vigilant eye on mm-hmm. cannabis control board they're putting together, advisory board, because we've had the fortune of looking at the way that they have done things wrong in other markets. So we're trying to get ahead of the curve here and not wait till the ink dries to try to undo it. Yeah. Again, voices are very important your experience and going to and talking to these people and they want to know because those legislators they really do because they don't want to make bad decisions but they don't have any information unless we go talk to them because they, they like that's how this whole delta eight thing happened right because they just thought oh we're just going to make it hemp or it's going to be 0.03 it's all going to be fine they don't know enough about the plant and the science to realize well duh I mean, that was inevitable that they'd start making D8. <laughs> so I just think it's hysterical. I mean, it's not, but it's kind of hysterical because they just, they don't know. And they're, they're regulating something. They have no idea what they're regulating. That's a fact. We've seen that firsthand here. They're really, um, out of anybody that needs to be educated, it's definitely the legislators because, um, you know, it's a, it's a new market, a new thing, and they're really um, creating these laws that are going to affect, you know, millions of people and generations to come. It's very important Correct. for everybody out there to do their best to put their two cents in them, give, give them some perspective on what they're doing and how it's going to affect society and community in so many different ways. Yeah, like what you've been doing for years. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Doing my best, but it, yeah. it takes it takes a lot more. So we're it always takes, trying to inspire more people to do the same. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so AC, were there any previous positions or experiences that led you to wanting to become the CEO of Eden Labs, 
or were there any from those previous positions that helped you move forward into entrepreneurship? I've kind of been a career entrepreneur. Um, I've had a few different businesses in my life. And um, every single one of them made me a little bit more confident, a little bit more willing to listen to my gut. Um, you know, have just having more business experience every time, having bad experiences and seeing that coming a mile away the next time and, you know, getting out of the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think the biggest, the biggest inspiration for me with Eden and, and what I'm doing now is just bringing health and wellness products um, that are plant-based and it's not just cannabis, but all of them. And I see cannabis as a, a catalyst for supporting the nutraceutical industry and vice versa. I would love to see the nutraceutical industry, which has also been on it's a tremendous growth pattern since the 90s. You, can, you, you can't be throwing these big words around without breaking <laughs> them down. Nutraceutical. Elaborate a little bit. I like that. So, so supplements, you know, you know, just like, you know, uh, herbs and vitamins and, you know, products like that where they help boost your immune system or help you sleep. You know, they're all plant-based and natural. So the um and or and or they're just you know nutrition you know just eating the right things and making your health body healthy so that's a whole industry in and of itself um that gets hammered by pharmaceutical because it's competition for pharmaceutical um it gets hammered by the fda it you know it's it's the same a lot of the same political challenges that cannabis does and if those two industries got together based on health and wellness, we would have a lot more political power to, you know, deschedulize, you know, take cannabis off of the scheduling so that, you know, right now it's uh, on schedule one with, uh, you know, heroin, way of effective things. Right? That's crazy. That's insane. It's crazy. The hypocrisy of the democracy is what we call it, AC. Yep. And you know what was really cool was when... You're really cool. That's what I think. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. When um, Harris got up there in that then the vice presidential debate, and they asked about... Um, let's see. How, how do I, I don't know what the question was, but she brought up um, cannabis... In the vice presidential debate on national television for like 70 million people, first time ever anybody's ever talked about it in a vice presidential or presidential debate. And she brought it up based on social equity, not on taxes, mm. not on job creation, but on social equity. And what's fantastic about that as it relates to the schedule is the schedule's built on a couple of pillars that are just political so if you take away the footing on those pillars the schedule means nothing because it actually really does mean nothing and that is such was such a smart strategy to really deal with the real core issue with cannabis being available to everybody and that is again that whole prohibition era it's crazy that after 80 years um 
it's still like you know such an uphill battle and it's like pulling teeth and you know it's like a i think the last number stated almost like over 70 percent of the country agrees on it and they make it seem like it's still taboo Yeah, I should actually not just say Harris. I should say Vice President Kamala Harris. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you, AC. Um, like I said, we're big on education over here. And, you know, we, we try to straddle the, 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 the fence between uh, corporate and culture just to make things more digestible for people. So for those that don't understand, what does it mean to be in the steering committee within an organization? We read up that you were involved in a couple of those. Um, so there's boards of directors that, you know, basically help advise CEOs and, you know, the C-suite and, and how, to, how to run a company, what's going to happen next, et cetera. But then you'll have a steering committee that is a little bit more you pass things through the steering committee and the steering committee steers, right? It's like, all right, well, this is where we're at now. This is probably where we should go. Let's talk about that. Um, what are, what's, what what's going to be an uphill battle? What's going to be easy? What does this mean for the, for the company? What does this mean for the industry? Um, and it, it's just a, a think tank, basically, uh, to help move things forward in the best way. See, that's once again what AC mentioned earlier. Your voice matters and, you know, we need as many marginalized, diverse, female, all yeah. sorts of people to be on these boards and involved in these processes so we could get a real, you know, basically full spectrum view and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and optimism as far as like how things get implemented and how societies view things. But like AC mentioned earlier, if you're not involved in these processes, then it's hard for everybody's voice and everybody to be catered to, right, AC? That's right. I mean, if you don't say anything, then nobody hears you. <laughs> yeah. Closed mouth don't get fed on the Closed boulevard. mouth don't get fed on the boulevard. That's one of our sayings over here, AC. So from what you've heard, and worked on in your current and previous positions within cannabis, including, you know, you mentioned earlier, chair of NCIA, uh, you know, in Washington State and so much more. What do you believe is going to be the next significant move within the cannabis, cannabis industry to really move the needle forward and make it mainstream? Decrim. I mean, I think they're going to decrim. They're going to decriminalize you mean on a federal level? On a federal level, yeah. So, and once they do that, then, you know, the industry will be able to have banking because I think a lot of people don't know that, you know, you can't get banking when you're dealing with a federally illegal industry. I mean, the you it's, it's very, very difficult. Um, again, which doubles down on um, women and people of color getting financing for their businesses. Because not only do they have that, you know, they also, it's just federally illegal as well. You can't go to a bank and get a loan to start a dispensary? Uh, it's, it's extremely difficult. That's I mean, I, I think that's, there's some, that was my point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a whole lot of banks that just won't touch it. 
um, there and yeah. So you stuck with what? getting private money, which usually are not marginalized people don't control, and yep. you know goes back to the good old boys. That's right. That's right. So with Decrim, they will have banking. And then the other great thing, if they could get rid of um, 280E, which is a, a, tax, um, a tax law that they put into effect basically for, you know, things that are, again, federally illegal. But this doesn't really apply to cannabis. Um, but so local regular businesses cannot write off. They, they can't have business write-offs. So that raises their their real tax rate um up into sometimes the 70 and 80 percentiles so they're paying way more tax than normal businesses are but yet in 2020 they've been deemed essential so i think that's probably going to happen as well which will be a huge boon to cannabis businesses to be able to keep that you know revenue instead of paying extra for it I have a very important question, which is, which I'm personally interested in hearing your opinion on, because obviously you're watching this industry so closely from its inception, and now you definitely um, would understand this deeper than other people will. What do you think is going to be the domino effect of New York going adult use, and how do you think that will play out and affect everything nationally and internationally? I think it'll be a big impact internationally. I mean, the UN just voted to take um, CBD off the schedule. And that, you know, the UN represents 53 countries. They just did that this last summer. So with New York being such an international hub, um, the world's going to, you know, they're not going to want to compete against that. And they're going to obviously take note. Um, the other thing that I think that New York is doing is creating a bunch of micro licenses, which I think is a really good example. Um, yeah, they're really have, scared um, from what we hear. You know, we get all our information, you know, what we say over here is from the barbershop, basically. Mm. So we hear in the barbershop is that, you know, the legislators are really worried in a place like New York that's the financial and cultural capital of the world. They're really scared of monopolies. So that's why they divided the the industry the license structure where if you own something on the retail consumption delivery side you can't own grow process and etc uh -huh. unless you have a vertical which is very few far in between and what we hear is that the biggest concern is monopolies because in a place like new york where they play with money like monopoly they know that that can happen fairly easily yeah, I mean, like, you know, here in Washington State, they did the same thing where you can't, you can't have a cultivation, processing, and retail. They, they split that up. You can only have a retail, and then you can have uh, production or processing, or, you know, or you can split that up. But you can't have all three, and they don't allow outside money into the state. Mm. So because of that, we have a very healthy... Um, cottage industry. We have over 200 brands here. Interesting. I didn't know that. You see? Yeah. So, and because of that too, I think the, the science and the tech on extraction and growing and everything else is um, a lot higher because there's more local competition. 
um, and they can't actually compete because they're not getting, you know, swamped out by somebody else's, you know, big money. So that's smart that New York's doing that. Um, and if they can keep those micro licenses and keep that framework, um, it'll be a huge boon and it'll be an excellent example for other uh, markets. No, definitely, definitely. We completely agree with that. And, you know, very optimistic about it because, like I said, Fresh Out is looking really good. They're really trying to make sure that, you know, that um, the people that have been affected by the war on drugs, which is marginalized people, do not get left out. The people that have been, you know, building this industry for 80 years in the biggest market in the world um, don't just get swept under the rug by, like you said, the trillionaires that are trying to come in. Yep. Yeah, it's all just, you know, all new and popular and uh, trendy, you know, for them. Whereas everybody, for all this, everybody, it's a way of life, you know, and it means something. It's a meaningful for, you know, to be working with the plan and be working with people and helping your community. And you're like, they don't get that. No, at all. It's just the bottom line to them. They don't really care about any of that stuff. It's really interesting, yeah. you know, that, you know, they here, you know, especially, you know, how expensive it's going to be here. Like, you know, and, you know, it's like Game of Thrones. Like, you know, like, you know, I remember I remember the I spoke to this one lawyer one time and he said, um, I'm only really trying to deal with uh social equity applicants i only maybe have room for one or two more i said why like for the license application he said well because all my other clients don't have a budget they have no budget they told me whatever it takes it doesn't matter i want to have one of those like you said i just, just to say i have it because i'm from mm -hmm. new york or whatever you know and it's just like that mentality is what you're talking about yeah 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 so it's going to get intense over here, AC. Now, I know you never got, because, you know, we just met recently. You never got to, you never, did you ever get to come to a Happy Monkey event? No, I am, have not yet been. <laughs> well, we'll change that in the future, but it's time for us to ask you the million dollar question. One million. So the million Ooh. dollar question is that from what you've heard, what you know about our events, our movement, our media, everything that we represent, if you had to describe Happy Monkey in one word, what would it be and why? Gracious. Gracious. Nobody's ever used that one before. Why gracious? Uh. Well, I mean, I've just met you too, and <laughs> <laughs> and I, but I, and I hear, or I have heard, I heard about you before we met, and the vibe that I've gotten from everybody is just, you know, there's just a lot of, you know, I, to me, graciousness has to do with, you know, being a good host, being a good educator, being open-minded, being, you know, you know, having. There has to be some love there, you know. Just, I just, that's the vibe I feel. It's just, it's gracious. I like that. I like that we can um, show that from afar. We're not, we're not even having to be in the room. That's, I like that. That's, that's why I was that's, interested in her perspective, that. you know, because like she's that. an OG in the industry, and yeah. you know, 
like, like you said, you know, didn't come see it personally, but that's what I said from what you heard and what you've seen, you know, means a lot to us. Thank you, thank you for those kind words. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on yeah. here and gracing us with your presence and your insight because, Absolutely. you know, we're trying to make sure that everybody over here gets as fully educated, understand how these things started and how they got to be today. And you definitely helped bring that to light today, you know, by sharing your experiences and what you know about the plant. And uh, we definitely know that you're destined for great things. You've already done amazing things. Who knows what the future holds? You know, you're such a, you know, in intellectual, you know, pioneer in this industry. We're really looking forward to see what other compliments you do. Well, likewise, um, I only ever hear and just glowing things about you guys and what you do. Um, I like that. I like that. Keep it I up. Appreciate that. Keep on glowing. That's dope. So one more time before we get out of here, please let everybody know where they can find everything about AC and Eden Labs. EdenLabs.com, Eden Labs on Twitter, Eden Labs on Facebook. Eden Labs on on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> we try and keep it simple. <laughs> I like that. That's how you get straight to the point. That's what we need. Giving you fair warning, they see we're full of surprises. We do pop ups. We travel a lot. Don't be surprised. Happy Monkey pops up in Seattle when you least oh, expect it. Oh, yeah, we you know need, we're gonna knock we on the, the Queen's door. We need the we need, the we need the green carpet tour. All right, I will give it. <laughs> well, everybody out I'm there, popped up here too. <laughs> Everybody out there, man, I, I hope you guys learned a lot from this amazing woman that yeah, has been a pioneer man. in this industry and educated you on all things extract and beyond. Yeah, and man. remember, you know, right now we're heading to a great time. So remember, ladies and gentlemen, you're too, too blessed to, to be stressed. stressed. Things to get greater later. For now, checking out Vlad, AC, Ramon to the next episode. Peace, love, and happiness. Peace, everybody. Yeah, prosperous. What's good, everybody? This is your nigga, Ralph, trying to keep you fresh with the info from Happy Monkey. Every single podcast, you already know what it is. If you haven't followed us yet, follow us on Instagram at happymonkey underscore or happymonkeygoodies. Now, remember, that's monkey with a U. Also, if you haven't checked us out, we're on YouTube. So check out our channel, Happy Monkey TV. Keep us current, live, and everything with the culture.